Welcome to the podcast of the Urban Mystic. This is season two where we meet with fellow deconstructors, fellow journeymen and journeywomen to hear the story of their first experience of God calling to ministry, deconstruction and present journey. I was going to ask whether that was a happy finding or whether it was a frustrating finding of, you know, I've kind of moved out of this space, I don't actually want to be doing that, or whether it was a, a good affirmation. And I think you've answered that. For me, it was, it, it was a happy finding. I don't know if, if either of you have ever read any of, of Marilyn Robinson's books. She wrote that, that beautiful series, Gilead and Lila. Oh, please do yourselves a favor. Your lives will change. <laughs> But um, but in, in in the first book in the series uh, Gilead, you know it's it's also this kind of a story, um, and you know I I really find that that my journey in ministry has been a, a lot like the Gilead story, a sort of you know a little bit like opening up you know the the petals of a rose to discover that each time that something changes, I I, I find myself coming closer in a sense to the blessedness for which God had created me. And, you know, th this has been a very important aspect of, of the way in which I, I view ministry and life. You know, that, that the church is not there to make the world a better place. It's just there to help the world to become the thing that God had created it to be. Beautiful, blessed, flourishing. So in, in some senses, you know, I mean, even, you know, I, another parallel to that is, is, is my marriage. You know, I mean, I've been married for very many years and I find I'm far hap more happily married now that I'm older than what I was when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I'm more settled and... It, 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 it helps to have, it helps to have those rough edges worked off. <laughs> yeah. So in some senses in ministry, I'm a bit like that. But I can say, Steve, um, you know, I, I'm grateful to, to, to feel the sense of calling to ministry. But, but as, as Tim said earlier, I'm incredibly grateful that I'm, I'm not dependent on, on the church for my livelihood. So to love the church without, without having to be and, and this, um, you know, people who listen to this are going to say, well, that's exactly why you can do it, you know. But I, I feel such a sense of freedom at being able to, to love the church without having to be paid by the congregation. Yeah, I think, I think the, we, we tend to look down on the careers where we pay people to love us, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and and in many ways entitlement <laughs> yeah and, and in many ways you know the pastoral uh job is one where you are paying people to love you you know and and you know and they're paying you to love them you know and it's it's, it's an interesting dynamic and a really difficult one like oddly enough a really lonely dynamic as well but i'm i'm wondering in a sense if this if this personal journey um is is framed somewhat at some form of perception or realization that that there's something at odds with the church and the church is not quite right as it stands and and perhaps could do with some changes yeah no absolutely okay so let me let me say that i live with a tension with the church and 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 the churches so you know to my mind when i read the christian scriptures when I think about the tradition of the formation of this community that that should bear the image of Christ in in what it does and what it says, there are there are massive gaps between what it should be and what it is. And in some senses, I'm not surprised by that anymore. And that's because you know it, it is it is a it is a sociological institution. It's a political construction that's what the church is it has it has offices and systems of power and dependencies and it's it's intended to live for perfection but it's it's staffed and and membered uh, by persons who are, are are themselves imperfect so so that that reality is 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 absolutely there and for me that's a constant tension 
Um, it's one of the reasons why I consider myself to be a theologian for the church. I mean, I have colleagues who, who are academic theologians. They're, they're, they're scientists. I don't do that kind of work. You know, I, I do the kind of work where I'm trying to figure out what is there that, that I can do? What, what kind of things can I discover? What, what knowledge can I bring to help us to understand how we can serve one another in such a way that we can become what we were intended to be? So a lot of the work that I do, you know, particularly over the last 10 years or so in South Africa around you know, the church and race, you know, blackness and whiteness has been to say, how do we get better? How do we get closer to what we are supposed to be? You know, how, how do we figure these things out? And, and in that sense, I think I am a theologian for the church, you know, of the church. I, I, I try to, to do what I do in service of, of the church. Yeah, but I, I, I wouldn't want to have to answer for it to a bishop <laughs> if that's, <laughs> or to a, or to a church council, you know, because, because my experience of those structures is that they're not often Christ-like, you know, that they have other, they have other needs and motives that, that shape how they are and who they are. You know, Dion, I, th I think it was last week uh, we spoke with a, you probably title himself as an ex-pastor uh, from the U.S. to Jacobson from unchurching.com. And he was talking about some of his journey in terms of moving away from sort of the institutional church um, and conversations he'd had with people around their search for this church, this church they wanted to find, this community that was going to nurture them and look after them, this church that was going to have a, you know, a great kids ministry or youth ministry or preaching ministry or whatever it was that they were looking for. Um, and he said, you know, my, my sort of bad paraphrase, as I remember what he was saying, was it was kind of a switch off or a disconnect as soon as you engaged with people along the lines of, I guess, kind of stop searching and start creating um, yourself. You know, engage in the work of, of being that kind of community rather than just looking for somebody else to make it up for you and you can go and join it. And I'm just interested in your thoughts there in terms of, you know, some of the guests that we are talking with when we ask them the question of alternatives, they're really positing potentially far, far different ideas than the church. They're saying, you know, the church is over, it's done with. But I'm, I'm responding to your comment saying you, you're more in love with the church now than you were. And so I'm wondering in terms of the question of alternatives and framing it with that comment from Richard Jacobson, how do you see the alternatives from within? What does it look like, you know, if you were to give guidance or thoughts or suggestion or what are you trying to do that closes that gap that you've talked about between the, you know, the now and the not yet? Um, how, do you, how do you see that and how does the critique kind of hit the ground in terms of, of being the alternative, I guess, is, is what, I'm, what I'm, I'm, I'm suggesting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a that's a seriously good question. If you find the answer, please email me. <laughs> and that's a fantastic answer. <laughs> <laughs> but look, let me let me let me say there, there are a couple of things that I have come to realize. The one thing that 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 I have recognized is that there is a and this I'm speaking about myself here. So this is not about any of your guests or anyone else's journey. But there is a certain kind of arrogance that says, I'm going to find a way. Um, is, and, you know, I, I know enough about myself and about, you know, humanity, and I also know enough about history to recognize that the ways in which, which modern, contemporary, Western, liberal democracy, neoliberal capitalists frame our lives is not, is not the way in which all of history has existed. So, the, you know, the, there are a couple of things which are, are often problematic in the ways in which I have dealt with church. One of them is that, that I've seen myself as a consumer, that, that, that I can shop until I find what I like, and then I will exercise agency over it, either by presence or payment. And if I don't like the product that I'm getting, then you know, I'm out of there. So, so that, that is a very, very modern 
construction. The majority of people in history for the majority of their lives didn't have those kinds of freedoms, yet they loved God. So, so we, we do have to recognize our arrogance in, in that sense. So that's the one thing. The second thing I also um, recognize about myself is that, you know, just because the church is not meeting some of the needs that I have, it's a mistake to think that those needs are going to be met in communities that are not as intentional, that are not as directed towards figuring out what it means to know truth and be truth and live truth. So that's another mistake that I've often made. I said, oh, it's too much and the structure and all of this. I'm going to go and find my thing out there and discover that the unintentional forms of fulfillment that we look for are often even more destructive because they pull us in a thousand different directions. I'll give you an example of that. All of the affinity ministries that we see emerging, youth ministries, workplace ministries, you know, young mothers ministries, you know, all of these ministries that pop up, you know, the moment you, you find yourself investing completely in, in that kind of a thing, you know that you're, you're stuck in a season. You're either going to find fulfillment for a while, it'll give you identity, and if you stick with it, the rest of your life's going to be unhappy, and your kids won't stay there, your wife won't belong, you won't have someone to bury you or baptize your your children. So, so there's a sense in which I also recognize that even though the local congregation is not perfect, I do have a responsibility to figure out how do I help my minister and the leaders of my church and the sisters and brothers amongst whom I sit, that we can live together in finding what it means to live for perfection in an imperfect community. I think that's a, a second thing that I'm, I'm discovering in, in relationship with the church. I think the final thing that I, I'd say on this, sorry guys, and then you know, come come back at me, push back, push back at me. The, the final thing that I'd I'd say in this regard is that I think in some senses we've just become too lazy. I, I'm too lazy. Um, so I, I want I want the fullness of the spiritual experience without having to put in all of that hard work. It goes long before Sunday. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm a bit of a, I'm, I, I love running. And, and, you know, I particularly love the idea of running a marathon. I always love it. But when I finish the marathon and I can't walk for three days, I realize, yeah, but I should have run a bit more. <laughs> you know, <laughs> two runs a week's not enough. You need four runs a week, you know. So, so there's a sense in which that's one of the other things that I, I, I realize we, we've, become a, we've become a sort of friend's culture. We want canned laughter. We want entertainment. We want someone else to produce it for us while we sit back. We want the packaged experience. And, and we're not willing to, to do a lot of the hard work about taking responsibility for our own spiritual life so that that becomes meaningful. That Sunday, Sunday is meaningful not because of what my minister does, but it's meaningful because of all of the hours that I've spent during the week reading and praying and serving and sacrificing, you know. <laughs> yeah, Tim, I'm come gonna, on. I'm, 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 I'm going to push back a bit. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> I, I think the advent of modernity and the society we're in has changed the course of our lives and the individuals come to the fore. And I mean that not in the sense of the classic oh, individualism, selfish, you know, let's move away from that kind of thing. I mean, the individual in the sense that we, we live in a society where, where the notion of actualization and self-actualization is enabled by a modern society. People are well-educated, they're independent. You know, and I, I refer back to, um, uh, to Giddens's work on modernity and the the, the changeover in the structures of society and Perel, who puts it so succinctly when she says the primary change in our society from the modern or into the well she thinks of it as into the modern but I think more into the postmodern is is primarily a change in the model of our relationships that we've gone from a society that is highly structured and your place is within the society you've got little freedom and a lot of security and so if you are are born uh, a peasant, you live as a peasant. If you're born royalty, you live as royalty. <laughs> if you, you know, and so society takes care of you. It takes care of the language you speak, the religion that you believe, 
all that kind of stuff. You don't have to have that spirituality for yourself because you're, you're a Christian. You're part of the vanilla of your society. And there's a consensus belief, you know. And that's changed now. And so in some senses, although people are consumers, they're, they're consumers because they go, this, this is a business because the institution of the church is now expressed as businesses. And so although your experiences in denominations that aren't quite there yet, you know, things like the Methodist Church and those kind of denominations are still more denominational than business, although often they're the successful ones are more business. You know, they've they've evolved, they've, they've they've become that. And so in that sense, I think I think that there's a tremendous change in society. And so and so I, I feel like as I hear you speak, I still hear that institutional paradigm and and what the church is as the people being bound to some sense to what the church is because there's an institution called the church that that then defines what churches are you know and so what is a church well we know what it is we can go down and we can find a building and we can find a people that meet there that's the church if people aren't part of this institution well we've got to think about them slightly different theologically and explore it and now it's outside the church and and i feel like i don't think of it that way at all i i feel like um god is involved in the back end entering the lives of humanity and as human beings we created two institutions very early on and we called the one the church which we should never have done because what god called the church is not that institution and so and so all those all the biblical imagery of what the church is everything that that is said about the church and and the notion of what it is none of that applies to the institution that we created quite a bit later and yet we can't speak about the church apart from that these days and so 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 i'm this is quite a roundabout thing for me <laughs> and so I, I think in that sense there's there's a lot of stuff that is 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 bound up with going well the church exists for the following purpose, but it actually doesn't exist for that. It exists to get people to come to church, to get people to come to church, to get people to come to church. And then it says, this is fellowship, this is discipleship. You have to be part of this because yeah, you grow and your spiritual life takes place and all that kind of stuff. And, and yet when I, when I listen to most people speak, although they may have an early experience of God, and then they add the faith in Christ and they come to church. They're not growing in intimacy with God. They're not experiencing that. And church is not about delivering that. And so, and so I, 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 I hear what you're saying and I, I've, I value it and I, I like the tone of the approach and I, I don't want to be <laughs> too critical, I, I guess. But, but I feel like I, I'd like to just push you a little bit off balance and go, let's just get out of the, let's, let's just get out of the, the, the 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 safe zone, and, and perhaps have a bit more of a gritty conversation around that, because in that sense, I I don't think that what we've made the church to be is actually what what God intends for it to be, and yet we seem to be bound to going, if if I <laughs> if, if I do my good deeds and I, I help make this happen, we're going to accomplish everything, and I don't think that's where God's emphasis is at all, honestly. <laughs> is where I'm coming to. And perhaps that, that's that's a bit of an overstatement because I think God does care about that. God God cares about whether you're a Marxist or whether you're a capitalist. And God cares about what you do as a Marxist and a capitalist probably a lot more than whether you define yourself as such. You know, there's, there's something else that God's looking for. And in the same way, whether you define yourself as a Christian or part of a church is in the same box. You know, because because the 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 business that we have, the for profit and not for profit businesses that we have as the church, um, you know, that's 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 not the institution that God created because God didn't create that, right? We did. And although there's a partnership in it, I feel like I feel like what I like about what guys like Jacobsons are and what they're working towards is they're basically going, we've got an institution that's got a life and a purpose and and perhaps we just need to get that institution out the way and if we can't be what the church is apart from that institution are we actually the church and i find i find myself so often working with people who with with the failure of that institution in their lives and with that no longer providing the stability and the framework for them. They don't have a faith apart from that and they don't have an experience of God apart from that. And for a lot of people as well, you know, we, yeah, anyway, I, I, I can go on. <laughs> it's probably a good point to stop and let you. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I mean, that's a, you know, I can see that um, certainly you, you are thinking about the church in ways which, which I think are, are very important for us to, to think of as, as we think about the way in which society is changing. So as a sociological phenomenon, I, I agree with, with much of what you've said, you know, I, I really do. Uh, the one, the one thing that I would, push back a little on Tim is that I can still hear behind what you're saying a certain evangelical conviction <laughs> that there is still something important about believing in God and getting people to remain connected to God and to to believe and my question would be you know what use is is a belief apart from from the community of belief because I think you know if, if what we if what Christians believe is true and there will come a day when, when, when we enter into the presence of God's loving eternity. It'll never be alone. It will, it will always be in that very uncomfortable community that we don't like. That's going to be bliss. I feel like I often find people contrast the individuality to the community. And, and I feel like in, in my thinking, I distinguish between the belief for or the belief against God as a separate category to the reality of of the personal transcendent as we engage it. And so that's that visceral, intimate, personal engagement with a someone is is tremendously important to me. And and in that sense, yes, it it, it may bear some similarities to the to the evangelical, <laughs> you know, who, who who often pushes for that. But I don't feel like evangelicalism enables that. Mm. So the one, the one thing that I really would in, encourage, if you you may already have done so, but I really would encourage you if you get a chance, have a look at at Charles Taylor's book, um, The Secular Age. So, yeah, I don't. I, I actually have that as uh, as part of my PhD reading to engage deeply with Ch Taylor. And so, I mean, Taylor's idea, I think you know, and it was later taken up by Washburn, is, is this notion that, that what we regard as, as, as these sort of radical divides between, you know, belief and, and, and unbelief, between, you know, church and, and the state, these two massive institutions in history, that, you know, in some senses, these are not, these are not categories, these are not ontological categories, they are very much sociologically constructed. And, and we inhabit them as social beings. I mean, we give them meaning. You know, no, no state exists without, without its, its citizens, you know. The Arab Spring is proof of that, you know. I mean, the, the thing Donald Trump doesn't realize is that the, the, the border with Mexico actually doesn't exist. It only exists in the minds of certain Americans. Yeah, absolutely. And now, and now there's a border to the north because the Canadians don't want them to come in. Yes, now the Canadians <laughs> have fallen for the same heresy. So, but the, the, the point that I'm trying to make is that in some senses, you know, that's the problem with, with us speaking of, of the church, you know, is we probably are not always speaking about either the same thing with one another. And, and I think where you put your, your, your finger on it 100%, that's one of the things I do agree with, is that, that we're probably also not able to capture what the varying forms of community are that come to us through the scriptures. I mean, I just want to say one thing about that. When I, I get a bit uh, uneasy when people speak about, you know, what the Bible says about the church. I mean, that's like someone saying to me, Dion, what does Stellenbosch University's library say? about economics and I'd have to say to them well you know which of the 3,000 books do you want me to tell you about and, and the bible is 66 books you know over a period of about three and a half thousand years so so you know we, we recognize that even in the christian scriptures and their formation there's there are different conceptions of what church is I mean the only one that we can live with and we either live with it happily or we we reject it is the one that that we formed in our living memory and history. And it exists. It does exist. And we've got to figure out, okay, what do we do with this thing that does exist? And that's, 
that that's I think what the what the question that uh, that that I'd like to drive towards is in a way, and that's that's really, you know, um, I, I think I think in terms of the canvas and the the potential, there there is the space now to reject that and basically recognize in some ways that what Christianity is as Protestantism and Catholicism is Christendom in translation. And we've been buffing it up for a couple hundred years. Yes, I agree with you. And so if that's what Christianity is and that's what the church is, what is post-church? What does post-Christianity yes. look like? And and that's 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 uh, you know, th those are themes that are uh, I really want to be exploring. Yeah. I mean, Cornell West says, you know, the, the best thing, I mean, Slavoj Žižek, who's, who's, who's a, a sort of, you know, calls himself a, 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 a Christian atheist. I mean, he says it's only possible to be an atheist if you're a Christian. And, and, but, but Cornell West and Žižek both say the same thing, you know, that, a, that a, a measure of atheism is actually the most healthy thing that you can have. And I think the same goes for a, a, a sort of denial of, of certain forms of church because the moment we stop believing, we're probably giving up belief in things that are not true anyway. You know? So the moment we start rejecting certain forms of, of uh, broken community or oppressive community or abusive community or stifling community or non-Christ-like community, it's good that we stop believing in them, you know? Because they're probably not what they were intended to be anyway. Is is some of the centre of this um, kind of conversation? And I don't mean just between, sort of, you know, just right now in the immediate yourself, Dion and, and Tim. But is it is it around the notion of what what could community be? And and there's certain terms that we were putting to that, whether it's institutional church or church or you know, a number of different things that people choose to call that. Is some of it the idea of, is it the idea of community or no community that you're wondering is at stake? Or is it the idea of community or better community, which could be, you know, institution versus post-church? Um, I find myself leaning towards the, the feeling that what many call community is pseudo-community. And especially when when it's when it's constructed around an institution and membership in that institution, whether you believe enough to belong and whether you behave enough to belong, I, I think I think that's you know two hundred years ago, <laughs> sure uh, it would be very hard to get away from that, but today, whether you're looking at the church or the synagogue, the ashram, the mosque, the whatever, they're actually at the periphery of society and, and they're part of the subculture. And so in some ways we, we commute from our family to work and then we commute to the subculture of our religious environment. Um, and then we say that this, this institution and this event, it, it's the primary practice of the faith of busy people. And I feel like as I look at it, I just don't, I just don't, I just don't know why anyone would do that anymore. <laughs> and that's that's definitely the phase that I'm in. And I, I've, I, I was there even when I, even when I was employed <laughs> in a church context. Just going, why, why would anyone be doing this? You know, like why? Like I can't do this. I got to get out. <laughs> you know. And so I, I feel like I feel like in 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 my time out of my 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 deconstruction. I've really, I've, I feel like I've landed more in the position where I go, uh, I, I just don't want to do that. You know, even even on coming back, I, I hung out with a pastoral circuit that I was connected with and, and things like that. And I'm just like, I, I can't do it. I think I, I really feel like doing church is doing the wrong thing, perhaps for the right reason, but still doing the wrong thing. And and I feel like I can't get away from that as easily as as you can. Yeah, for me, I mean, for me, the sense is, you know, I, I, I take one step further back than that. So, you know, um, Steve, as you may know, my, my first doctorate was in cognitive neuroscience identity. So that, that was where I really wanted to think very, very deeply about, about the construction of, of individual identity. What is it that, that causes us to... to to adopt our view of ourselves in the world that we do from, from within ourselves. 
And, you know, I'm deeply, deeply convinced that, that we are fundamentally intersubjective beings. And this is not just a conviction in terms of social psychology. So I'm not just talking about social identity complexity, but, but the fact that our, our very physical survival um, and we see this certainly, I mean, there's lots of evidence of this in, in, in neurobiology before we even get to the cognitive neuroscience stuff, but, but we, we are wired for, for reliance upon one another. We cannot make it on our own. So, so there's something important there. Now, I'm not wanting to construct a natural theology out of that and, and, and sort of do a, a teleological argument forward as some would do, because I think that's a mistake to say, well, for that reason, we need this thing called the church. But I do think the church was an impulse that is responding to that, to that precognate need that we have to belong, that, that sense that, that we do need one another um, just in order to survive, you know. I mean, <laughs> I think, so, I think, I think, in terms of in, in terms of in general, but I, I don't think that you know historically the church was very central to community life for people, and today it just isn't. You know, I, I feel like yeah, I mean, people that, often that's have, what Taylor points out so beautifully is is that that in fact is that's not a shift. That's not a religious shift. I mean, historically, what happened was. The, the, the beginning of that. I mean, if you go and read, for example, um, you know, uh, Jürgen Habermas's uh, book, uh, you know, The Deconstruction of the Bourgeois. I mean, what, what happened was the moment that we, we introduced capitalism in society, the moment we got guilds that said, you know, oh, you want nice curtains for your castle. We know a guy down the street, but he's not from your you know, your kingdom is from another kingdom, but if you pay him something, he'll come across here and get you the curtains. The moment we introduced independent economy, people gained political freedom from both religious and, and political leaders. And that restructured the whole of society completely. So that's, that's not primarily, you know, in, in sociological terms, it's, it's not a religious thing. You know, that's, that's far more of a political shift. No, no sure, but... But the fact that the institutional framework for people where you're part of this political system, you're part of this religious system, and this is your community, they were all tied together. Today, today they're not. And so, so people do experience community anyway. And people do no, but I would take I would take issue with that. <laughs> this is where, this <laughs> no, is where no, you no, and I differ no. on, on the notion of religion, because what I'm saying is that religion is everywhere. Um, you're speaking about institutionalized religion. So, you know, 400 years ago, the church was part home affairs and part school and part hospital and part Sunday service. And slowly we've, we've stripped those things out. So, you know, I mean, in Germany, 60 years ago, if you wanted a passport, you still applied through your local church to get your passport. Why? Because that's where your baptism was registered and your marriage was registered. They were the Department of Home Affairs. So as, as societies begin to recognize that, that for democracy to function, we need agency to reside elsewhere and not under religious control, they've separated that out. So in that sense, I agree with your notion that, that you know, many churches still, still hanker after Christendom. I can see that, particularly the, the more evangelical churches hanker after a form of political control. I mean, that's why Donald Trump is so popular in the United States. They're, they're hankering after the state providing that. that uh, but the difference that I think you and I have is that I think everybody's religious in some way. I, I, no, no, I, I would definitely agree, agree there. So, so that's, that's not the point of, of disagreement because I, I think... And some, some, some believe in a, a civil religion. You know, we, we, we had that heresy here in South Africa, you know. Desmond Tutu was our high priest. You know, the constitution was our scripture. Nelson Mandela was our savior. I, I, think, I think, you know, the vernacular leans more towards distinguishing religion from spirituality when, in fact, you're talking about the same thing in different, and the expression of that same thing in, in different directions. To speak about everyone having religion, you're talking about the uh, a quality or an aspect of persons and their, their consciousness and the engagement, right? To talk about the church gets a little bit tricky because we're both talking about 
a institutional construction and business constructions that we have today. And we're also talking about a, a, a people incorporated by Christ. And, and we're not clearly defining the distinctions. We're not clearly defining our language in relation to them. But I can't see how, I mean, I can't see Christ making that distinction. <laughs> you know? I mean, I can see, I can see him saying, well, uh, you know, this particular, um, this particular way of structuring that thing that you call church is less healthy and that one might be more healthy for you. But I think when, I think when God looks upon the world, God sees our imperfect social institutions, whether they're political, ecclesial, economic, and says, you know, okay, that's, you know, that's going to be painful. <laughs> you know? and, and if you go down that route too far, you have to turn at some stage and do something differently. And I think, you know, that's, that's one of the things that, that I think is so important about history. I mean, we, 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 we have to have a historical aspect on, on not just church history, but we have to recognize the construction of society as a whole. And I mean, what we've been talking about tonight has been very much the kind of experience that is common to people like us, you know, sort of 40 to 50 year old, educated white South Africans who inhabit a very sort of first world individual existence. For the majority of people in, in the world, this, and, and you know, these are the things that we publish in books and get peer reviewed in articles and that shape political systems. But for the majority of people in the world who are either not Christian or who inhabit very different daily experiences, this kind of choice that we are exercising, the sort of qualitative choice, um, is not a reality. They, that may be the case, but but we are talking about it because it is a growing, it's a growing population, and it's a growing population that I that that I would I would contest. I don't think it's just limited to white Western middle-aged people. <laughs> you know, um, I, I, I'm not I, sure about that. I'm not sure about that. I find I find myself I find I find my I find myself regularly talking to people who are defined who are self-defined ethnically and historically, as as Hindu as Buddhist, um, you know, uh, you know, and over quite a wide range of of of, of religions that that are going through exactly the same thing in terms of leaving becoming atheists with respect to their faith. Um, and yet redefining spirituality and community as as distinct from their familial heritage and even their political heritage. And so, you know, so so I think just because it, it, it affects maybe a small portion of the population, it doesn't mean that it's not relevant. You know, I think there's a regression. There's a, you know, if we go, let's just talk about what fits the following population group. And if it doesn't fit that group, it's not relevant to have a discussion about. That's not the case, you know. I agree with you on that. We we, we need to be careful of the politics of numbers. Very much so. And so and so I'm I'm very much concerned about a specific subset of our population that is arguably Western or Westernizing and is arguably modern or modernizing. And that foundation enables a generation of people to be postmodernizing. And as postmodernizing people, they're evaluating religions in their institutional capacity and going, "This is not relevant. I, I don't, I don't need to support this. I don't want to be a part of it." And yeah. I'm, I'm Sorry, let me just say, I mean, I, I agree with 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 the sense that you can opt in or opt out. The, the, the thing that I that I don't sit so easily with is is your sort of uh, your your universal framing of of the issue. So, if you haven't so, sorry, read it, do, do, do you want to just uh, qualify that a bit? What do you, what do you mean by my universal framing of the issue? Yeah. So the way in which you're constructing, I mean, the the way in which you've been uh, speaking about this institution called the church has been a sort of universalizing description. The church. Uh, you know, people are giving up on the church, or people are giving up on on their religion. So, so those are, are, are fairly sweeping statements that, you know, I mean, one, of course one can do that, but the moment you drill into that, you're going to find, well, they're probably not giving up on the church. They're probably giving up either on 
one form of church or a certain denomination or a particular congregation or certain practices that were valuable to parents or grandparents or so so those kinds of things we we need to we need to texture them we do need to bring them down so it's not that the yeah, I mean, for me, the important thing is, you know, we, we're dealing with at least, so any thought category that we place onto these kinds of, of statements, any kind of language that we use is symbolic. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, anything that we say about anything is referential. It's not truth in itself. We're, we're having to point to something and, and, and try to get people to understand. I mean, that's how language works. That that this thing that I'm talking about is embedded in my experience in this way. And can you identify with that in some way? And if you can't, let's try and renegotiate it until we come to a point where we share something in common. That, that's the nature of meaning. That, that's, that's how it works. So my sense is that, you know, we, we, can't, we can't say that the church as an, you know, as, as, as an institution in history is it's the end of, of the church, that it, that it has ended forever. What, what we can say is that configurations or understandings or expressions of, of this particular form of community are being reframed. They're, they're changing. The language which we've used, the, the structures within which we fit them uh, are, are, are changing radically. I mean, just what's happened now with COVID-19 you know, the fact that you know every every oak and his dog has got an online service um, that's going to have massive implications for for what people think about this church going forward so th that's the only thing that I'm trying to push back upon I, i'm not I'm not willing to accept the kind of binary that says the world is changing and people are going to give up on church I'd like to recommend one other thing that you that you should read um, the the big antidote to the sort of global academic secular narrative that came from you know starting with people like Karl Barthes and 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 I I, th I think it, I think I'd like to interject here before you do that I, I'm not I'm not running with the global secular narrative at the question or or what I'm saying okay but so just, just the way in which you're framing the sort of loss of the religious and and the deconstruction of of uh, you know traditional uh, or, or, or historical faiths, it, it it sounds to me a lot like what I read from from those kinds of authors, and and my problem with that is often that's cast in the Western gaze. You know, that's that's people's you know counting church attendance from Rome or Chicago, and not taking account of what's happening in Kampala, you know, and what's happening in Joss. So the myth of progress and that all societies are eventually going to become modern and in becoming modern, you're going to give up religion. I think, yes, there is a broad narrative, but, but none of the people that I work with and, and my thoughts aren't being framed by those things. Yes, there's a conversation that needs to take place about secularization, desecularization, the emergence of spirituality today, et cetera, et cetera. And those are specialized conversations. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking more in terms of people like yourself that are going through a deconstruction and and a transformation in your understanding of church and working and ministry and that kind of stuff. And so 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 there there is that, but I'm I'm also thinking and dialoguing with a lot of people whose their thinking isn't framed by the secularization thesis or any of that kind of stuff. They're not working with any of that kind of stuff. They're not pursuing any academics at all. They're, they're people that have just woken up in their lives and gone, this thing called the church just doesn't work. <laughs> the religion I'm a part of just doesn't work and I'm giving up on all of this, but I'm still pursuing God. You know, and and, and I feel like that's a, it's a different it's a different conversation. You know, a slightly I understand different that. Yeah. I mean, I understand that in part, but you know, just because persons haven't been exposed to, I mean, the only thing that academics do is is we look at currents and trends and we name them and we articulate them. That's that's what academics do. We don't, we, you know, I mean, the, the most, the least credible thing that an academic can do is to invent something that isn't there. I mean, you know, that's not the work, certainly in the social sciences and the humanities. What we do is we observe and we name. So just the fact that 
people are going through these experiences and, and aren't relating them to, you know, to, to secularization theories. It doesn't mean that they're not being influenced by those theories because these are the currents that are, are, are underlying our societies. I mean, true, true, you know, the but, but the vice versa is that, is that faiths like Christianity are shaped by a narrative um, about the church that's that's an interesting narrative but i don't think it's the right narrative for instance you know like like one could push back in that sense and have a conversation around that too yes although i the only thing that i would say is it's not it's it's not about right and wrong per se i mean you know in that sense we, we would have to say every narrative about christianity is wrong there's no true narrative about christianity um because none i mean nothing that we do with language and thought is, is capable of encapsulating fully the mystery of the nature and person and work and love of God. It, it's impossible to do that. So everything that we're doing, I mean, the, the sort of apophatic spiritual tradition teaches us that perhaps the truest things that we can say is that God is not that, you know, and the church is not that. It doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. And I think that's, that's where I'm pushing back a little bit at, at what you're saying. I mean, I'm saying just because people are giving up on it, it doesn't mean that it's not good or it's not true or it shouldn't. But that's, that's, I don't think that's what we're saying. Like, I don't think, you know, I certainly don't think anyone in this conversation, myself included, is, is saying that. I do think that there's a, that, that people go through various journeys in relation to their, their faith today and and in teasing some of those out, I'm I'm loving the fact that that some people deconstruct and they stay within. Other people deconstruct and they go, let's transform this thing. And other people deconstruct and say, let's throw out the institution entirely. You know, and those are three three broad categories. Yeah. And I mean, I think, Tim, I, I tend to agree with you. Those, you know, those categories are a wonderful summary of, of some of the, the ways in which people are dealing with the imperfection. The, the, the point behind some of what I'm trying to, to think about for myself specifically is each of those choices has, has a qualitative element to it. So each of those choices, we are having to figure out which is better and, and which is worse, which is the lesser of evils or which is the greater good and and my sense is that i i cannot see christianity existing without community i don't i don't think it's a faith that can exist without community so there's a do you think that that community can exist without institutionalism i think it's incredibly difficult for our for us to have any kind of community without by virtue of the ways in which in which our needs and our desires drive us, I think it's very difficult for us to have healthy communities without some, without some structure to them, some constraint. Sure, sure, structural constraint. But I mean, we don't, we don't, um, an institutional and a social institution differs somewhat to a to a physical institution, right? So. If we think of family and its legislation and its structures, it's slightly different to the way in which churches are incorporated as uh, legal entities and on their own, you know, as fictitious persons, right? And and that institution has a life of its own, basically needs to be maintained in government like any like any business does, right? Do you really feel that these church institutions are necessary for the community of the ecclesia to exist still and to have a meaningful life and expression? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I know that's not what you want to hear, but I do. No, no, no. It's 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 not it's it's not what what it's not not what what I don't want to hear. I, I want to hear people say that kind of stuff. I do very much so. <laughs> And let me tell you why why I think it has to exist. And and the, and there are two reasons to this. Um, the one reason why I think there has to be some authority, there has to be some agency, some some structure of power in this thing is because I know that my intentions are not always selfless and they're not always good. And there needs to be some space in which my needs, my desires, sometimes even my misguided ideas and my strong opinions can be 
can be held in tension with the ideas of others. And if it's left up to me to do that, you know, I just become more and more convincing and I cite more and more sources and I read more and more books and I strengthen my arguments more and more and eventually others don't, don't stand a chance in, in that sense. So, so there needs to be a moderator, I think, who, who says to me, Dion, it doesn't matter. This is not a smart place. This is a place of compassion or this is a place of humility. So, so that I think needs to happen. The other side of it, I think, is so that's the side that deals with brokenness and sin. And I think the church does have to have some authority and structure to be able to do that, like any political system. But I think the other side of it is also I've, I've just come to realize in my own life how much I need the compassion and the humanizing that comes from being in community with others, and particularly the other that I don't understand or don't normally choose to be with. So the very young, the very old, the person of a different economic class, of a different educational background. So by, by bringing me into, into facilitated contact with those persons, there's a richness that comes to the community and through that, it comes to my life. So, so I think those, you know, for me, that's one of the reasons why I say I'm falling more and more in love with the church because I'm seeing it a lot less as a place where I go to be entertained or instructed or um, to have all of my needs met. But I see it as a place where I go and I can be vulnerable and I can look around. I can be accepted, you know, so, so some of those things I think have, have become far more important for me in, in this community. And, and I recognize, you know, perhaps the thing that I'm hearing from, more clearly from you tonight, Tim, which I'm going to need to think about a lot more, is that, of course, that's not the experience for everybody. Um, that it is, you know, everything that I've described now is filtered through my own personality and needs and life's experience. I recognize that. It's a fairly common view, um, and it's the biggest pushback that I, I feel like I get from uh, people who really support the institution of the church, is that is that the understanding of the community that is the ecclesia is completely collapsed into the community that is the institution of the church, and and in that sense, there's a struggle to understand that community can exist in a very meaningful and vibrant way apart from that institution, apart from those structures, you know, and, and that things like compassion, things like all those things that you mentioned, all those benefits that you put that come from there, they come from elsewhere. So, 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 you know, good old uh, Hollyoak from the 1850s, for instance, is a good arguer, you know, argued for that as long ago as that, as basically going, we don't need institutions like the church to to be good people or to do good in society. You know, you just have to be a, a human being that does good in society. You know, and, and I feel like like so so there's there's perhaps a hermeneutic that needs to be applied to him and the creation of the secular society in that way. Arguably, it's exactly the same thing. It's just a, a secular institution as opposed to a religious institution. You know, and and there's something a part of a part of that English culture that is all about creating these societies that are supposed to make their mark on the world and make the world a better place. So, you know, there's there's that that needs to be understood and and explored. And I, I think that's a, but but in principle, it's one of the first pushbacks in a meaningful way against the church to basically go, no, I don't have to be a Christian and submit to Christian values to be a good person and to do good in society. And I, and and so so I feel like like part of my pushback really comes from the use of the word uh, community. Mm. But that's a moral argument. I mean, you know, Tim, that I can see that. I mean, you know, in terms of, and that, that was my very experience in my early ministry was that there were far more moral people outside of my, Christian community than than what I experienced within it, you know. Um, but but there is a there is another element to it that that we do we do have to keep in tension with that. And and that's the, and this is the fundamental question, I think, is is the church inc incidental um, in God's economy of salvation? So so can one be saved without 
And let, let's not use the word church. Can one be saved without the community of Christ? Um, is, is, is individual salvation possible? That, that, that would be in part, uh, in part that's predicated upon your understanding of what salvation is, right? Yeah, I, I guess it is. I mean, you know, I, I, I would certainly um, like to think that my, my way of thinking about uh, salvation is, is, is contained, it's constrained by, by certain traditions which I believe to be authoritative and true. And so that relates to the Christian scriptures, and particularly views of salvation that come through the Gospels and, and the Pauline letters. So, you know, when I think about those particular uh, expressions of, of what salvation means, I'm not sure that, that in, in my view, the view that I hold, it is possible to be saved alone. If salvation is a relational engagement between a human person and a transcendent person, they're not saved alone. They're saved into the community of God, right? The question, the question is, does that community, by necessity, include uh, an historical community here that defines itself in a specific way post 380 AD? You know, and although it harps back before that, it, the institution of the church in that sense didn't really get formally codified. And of the two institutions, as I mentioned earlier, that the church created, we only called the one the church, right? And so I think that there's a there's an inherent problem in the language that we that I think we we stuck with. We've been stuck with it for a long time. It's not going away. <laughs> you know, we're just going to carry on bumping ourselves up against the same that same problem. And our deconstruction of every generation has to begin with that because we stuck with that, right? And and I feel like in some ways we we do have a. a a, a broader conversation taking place in society where some people are simply voting with their feet and their withdrawal of funds, as you say. And the reason why they're doing that is because they're not able, in, in some cases, to have these kinds of conversations. Mm. No, that's true. But the question is, Tim, where are, they going, where are they going with their meaning? Where do they end up with that? I mean, if you end up with that only within your family, then when your children grow up and leave the house or your marriage falls apart or i mean you know there's a sense in which at least the one thing that that's that some sense of historical community that the continuity of the historical community gives you is is that it embraces you in good and in bad but it doesn't oh sorry sorry i i i i have to, i have to interject there it doesn't it just doesn't embrace people in the good and the bad <laughs> you know so in in a few in a few minority cases it it might but but for the most case people people are not vulnerable uh within you know like i just don't think of them as communities i think that's what it is i cannot for the life of me picture a heel song gathering as a community so 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 some methodist churches that i've seen i can picture as somewhat of a community but most of what i've seen is just dysfunctional community i don't see healthy community when i look at churches at all <laughs> Yeah, and certainly I would agree with, you know, the Sunday service uh, in most, and, and I think even the leaders meeting, and in many cases, the Bible study are, are not entirely functional. And, and that's, I think, one of the aspects that, that is such a wonderful showing of God's grace. But, but I think you are right. I mean, I, I also have often struggled to say, oh, my goodness, this thing that we are doing now. This this thing, <laughs> you know, on a Sunday, this is this is not what I think God meant for us to do. Um, but you know, the, 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 then I would simply say, okay, that's that's also true. Um, but but if I'm expecting that to be the thing, then I've probably also missed what what church is is meant to be. I mean, I, I just think, for example. Um, of my own sort of young life, you know, the really fiery faith and those kind of Sunday experiences, they, they were beautiful. They, they, were, they were uplifting. But the real growth, the real tra transformation probably came in the conversations during the week, in the coffee bar, in belonging to a group of people, you know. And, of course, that has its own problems, you know. 
closed boundaries and in, in, insiders, outsiders. But there was something about that 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 wasn't just the building or the time. Um, but but I, Tim, you know, in some senses, I think you and I are, are not that far apart on this thing. But but we, by virtue of I think both the ways in which we think and possibly also our histories, we approach it in very, in very different ways. But of course, there, I think there are some points on which we, we do differ, you know, fundamentally. And that, that's okay, you know. That's why the conversation's so lively. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we need to have more conversations. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was saying to Tim when we were talking through, um, you know, looking at guests and who we'd love to invite, and then I, I came back at some point and said, well, you know, I'll just take an absolute flyer and send a message out to Dion somehow and see if there's any way he would consider jumping on the podcast with us. Um, and one of my reflections into that conversation was, I think what I look forward to is there'll be a guest with some fire who will do some pushing back. And, and I, you know, I've really enjoyed that, Dion. I'm not trying to frame it negatively. I think we've had wonderful conversations with guests and so there hasn't been anything wrong with them, but there've been in many ways, lots of ready agreements and you're our first experience of, of really raising your voice and saying, no, I'm not sure I agree with that. Um, and I think that's been really fantastic. Tim and I had sort of talked back and forth a little bit about would there be a way to include a voice that would really sort of take us on and give the, the sort of the, I think in my mind it had been more of a sort of a fundamentalist pro-church <laughs> conversation, but there was no way I could figure out how that would go down well because it would probably completely disintegrate. Hey, I, I know a few of those folks. I can introduce you. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, but I'm just grateful for the way in which you've uh, the, the way in which you've pushed back, and uh, it's been really lively conversation. It's been really enjoyable just to to listen. Thanks, I mean, for for you know inviting me to 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 come and and enter into the conversation. I appreciate it. I mean, obviously, there's a tremendous amount that I need to go and think through because this is not normally the the kind of topic that 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 I'm talking about. I mean, this is not the area of my research. It's not the stuff that I'm really, you know, sort of working. There's a sense in which part of what the two of you have introduced for me tonight is the recognition that, you know, you, you can't depart from the point of the church being acceptable, even if just disliked by many people. There, there are some very valid reasons to actually question it, you know, so that's a very helpful thing for for me but guys thanks so much man and and thanks for uh for, for holding a space for for dialogue and and you know for for listening and and also for for, for your your sense of of pushing the boundaries i appreciate that very much well uh you know from my side thank you it's 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 nice to to, to get someone on and to dialogue with that bit of push uh, because I think it's it's very healthy, and I don't know if people get to you know like 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 my family background was always we don't talk about religion, politics, or sex, right? <laughs> so so those are all the fun things, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so often, what happens is is people don't get to talk about these things, and if they do, they're divided in their respect around the differences of opinions. And and there's not enough recognition that that in common is the same passion for people, and the same God who's calling people to ministry, and so and so the real divider of people is God, right? <laughs> in that sense, and it and it's a fruit it's a fruitful divider. You know, there's a super essentialism in the division, and uh, and I think that's that's often what's left out of the apophatic tradition is is that you know, the cataphatic and the apophatic find a unity in the superessentialism that, that transcends both and somehow unifies both. And I think it's the same kind of thing here it, between, you know, that that we live within a very narrow space of the world. And so 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 I, I hear that your 
concern in many ways relates to a lot of the systemic justice related issues in in countries like ours and there's a demographic there that this conversation is not relevant for it all they they would have zero time for it they'd have zero relevance to to it but but i'm I, i'm in a different community and it's a much more postmodern community that 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 is around the world but shares the same culture they drive the same cars they use the same brands of computers buy the same phones watch the same movies you know, et cetera, et cetera. And their journey is completely different to people that are, are, are very much rooted in a particular geography and its politics and, you know, their identity and things like that. And I feel like in some ways, unfortunately, what happens is, is um, you know, like we don't, we don't often get to dialogue fruitfully in areas that aren't our expertise or aren't our comfort zones. You know, and I, I keep wanting people to, to, to challenge me on the justice stuff. I, I keep going, you know, I, I don't care for politics. Don't take me there. You know, uh, economics, uh, we need something post-capitalist and something post-Marxist, but I'm not going there. Like, I just know we need it and I'm happy to push for it, but, but I'm not going to work on it. You know, and, um, and I think the same thing with, uh, with the justice things, you know. Yeah, I tell you what brings it home very quickly is when you live in Cape Town and, and every single major road that takes you from where you live to anywhere else is shut down on an almost daily basis. I mean, literally all around us. You've only got, you've, you've only got three highways. So. <laughs> yeah. so you suddenly then begin to realize that that politic is so close to you. Eh? It's just, it's literally walking distance, you know? So it's, but it's, yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> Guys, it's been, so it's much. been lovely, man. I appreciate it very much. And, uh, yeah, blessings for, uh, for figuring out what you can use out of there. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Dion. Really, really appreciate your time. Um, I wanted to share one last tiny little memory with you before, before I let you go. You, you spoke about your time at, down in Cape Town and then coming up to Bryanston Methodist. And there were a number of things in there. And I, I know there were some questions around sort of the more mega churchy kind of show thing. But I wanted to just reflect to you that uh, it was a great gift in your time there for me. You were the first adult I had ever come across in preaching uh, who took the, the Bible you know, the sacred text seriously. And you opened a view for me that led to a construction, into a deconstruction, into somewhat of a different construction. But you you opened up something for me there that was very special, and I've never forgotten that. And I just wanted to say that uh, I'm very grateful for that. And so thank you for, for giving up your time this evening to come and have conversation with us.